This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. The following three Radio Days episodes will feature some great old radio presentations of the Admiral Hornblower Adventures. These are based on the Hornblower books from C.S. Forrester. I enjoyed reading these books as a boy, and the stories are well-written and acted here. R.N. Harry Towers and his Towers of London Syndicate produced a 52-episode radio series, The Adventures of Captain Horatio Hornblower, in 1952 and 53. The BBC did not want to broadcast it, and it was only aired in the U.S. on CBS, ABC, and Mutual Radio Network. Horatio Hornblower is the fictional naval hero created by C.S. Forrester in 1937, who appears in a number of novels set during the Napoleonic Wars. Hornblower's character was inspired by a variety of naval events and officers, but when you come right down to it, although C.S. Forrester wouldn't admit it, Hornblower has many of the same traits as the British naval hero Rear Admiral Horatio Nelson, who was best known as the British Admiral who lost his right arm and the sight in his right eye in a battle with the French, and then kept on returning to combat until he, one-handed and basically one-eyed, had burned, sunk, or otherwise destroyed Napoleon's navy. He was quite a British war hero. This radio series is very well done, and the stories are captivating. Listen well to this first one, and I'm sure you'll be hooked. If you want more in the future, send me reviews or email me at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com and let me know, and I'll make it a regular feature every month. Thanks for listening to 1001 Radio Days, and enjoy. Call all hands. Speak to quarters. Stand by this tablet battery. One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Points are on target. Lynn, stop ready. Aye, aye, sir. Ready. Fire! Presenting Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's Indomitable Man of the Sea. problems in my seafaring career. But as I look back now, I can remember none graver than that which faced me as I prepared to sail in my frigate in search of the Natividad. I had captured her before in harbor, by night and by surprise. Now I must meet her on the open sea, where her enormous superiority in firing force must give her the advantage. Well, that was bad enough. But now I had 
had the additional responsibility of a high-born and influential passenger, Lady Barbara Wellesley. When I returned to the ship after calling on the Viceroy at Panama, I summoned Bush, my first lieutenant, to my cabin. Mr. Bush, where's Lady Barbara? She's on the quarter deck, sir. I heard the carpenter knock up her hammock chair for her. Huh? I had a bit of awning rig so as to give her some shade. Mr. Bush, the Lydia is a frigate about to go into action, not an Indiaman with nothing to do but pamper passengers. Uh, no, sir. If Lady Wellesley takes advantage of her position and forces me to carry her to England, I cannot refuse. But this is no reason why my ship should be turned into a... a, 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 a boudoir. No, sir. Confound your Bush. Can't you say anything but no, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, forgive me, sir, but uh, it would have been highly dangerous for her ladyship to stay ashore with yellow fever spreading as it is. Mm. So she seeks safety by coming aboard a ship which is about to fight an enemy twice its size. Now, hark you, Mr. Bush, no good will come of this. If we win the battle, we shall be censured for exposing her ladyship to danger. If we lose it, I we shall... I cannot imagine you losing any battle, sir. Not if it was the whole Spanish fleet instead of just one ship. Yes, when I want your opinion, Mr. Bush, good or otherwise, I will ask for it. How am I going to place my quarterdeck with a woman sitting there? thing I've just thought is my, my shower bath. Under the pump on deck. Look, um, have a screen rigged. See that the crew are warned about dress, too. Um, in this heat, most of them work half naked. Aye, aye, aye sir. <laughs> She was still on the quarterdeck when I went to attend to the business of getting the ship underway. It was infuriating.
until we were standing out of the gulf close hauled that I was free to communicate to Lady Barbara the news I had heard from the Viceroy. In any case, good manners necessitated that I should address her. I couldn't ignore her presence, however much I might resent it. She sat in her hammock chair by the taffrail, a servant Hebe, the negress, at her feet. She was in animated conversation with Gerard, the officer of the watch, and I noted with amusement that Gerard broke off the conversation and moved away as I approached. She acknowledged my bow with a smile. Oh, it's heavenly to be at sea again, Captain. And may I congratulate you on your amazing seamanship in raising your anchor. Uh, <clears throat> also, you've given me no opportunity to tell you how grateful I am to you for taking me away from Panama. I was treated well enough, but, well, I was in charge of Her Excellency. An admirable woman, but oh, so dull. In Spanish America, women are treated like Mohammedans. And Spanish American food, oh! <laughs> On the latter point, I agree heartily, Your Ladyship. Well, will you not sit down, Captain? Sit down on my own quarterdeck. Thank you, Your Ladyship, but I've never done such a thing in my life. If you'll forgive me, I prefer to stand. I, um, I came to give you good news. Uh, Your brother, Sir Arthur, has won a great victory over the French in Portugal. A great victory? Well, that is very good news. I've always been proud of Arthur, and this makes me prouder still. Well, I'm happy to be the first to congratulate his sister. Oh, Captain, just look at that setting sun. One almost expects to hear a hiss as it sinks into the sea. Yes, I endeavor never to miss the sunset in these waters, Your Ladyship. It's a, it's a daily miracle. Ah, beautiful. Exquisite. And I hope Your Ladyship was well provided for during my absence ashore. If there's anything further that lies within my power... Well, there's just one thing, Captain, that I should like to ask as a favor. What is that? That is that you do not call me Your Ladyship. Call me Lady Barbara, if you will. Certainly, Your uh, uh, Lady Barbara. <clears throat> And if Lady Barbara doesn't come easily to you and you wish to attract my attention, you can always say, uh, <clears throat> Oh, Captain, I'm so sorry. Please accept my apologies. I realize now that to mock you was quite unforgivable. There's nothing to forgive, ma'am. And now, if you will forgive me in your turn, I must attend to my duties. Oh, one moment, please. Captain, I, I know that you've much on your mind. I know that before you sail for home, you must fight the Natividad. Will you tell me, what are your prospects in that battle? Well, the Natividad, ma'am, is a two-decker with 50 guns against my 36. She is commanded by Vice Admiral de Crespo, a ruthless and bloodthirsty man who will never surrender. Whatever his faults, he's no coward. But against his force, I have perhaps a little experience. Capable and loyal officers and... Uh, very well trained crew. And they're English. That counts for much. You may be frank with me, Captain. What will happen if we should lose? If I or my crew are taken alive, we shall be hanged or tortured. El Supremo will show no mercy to us for having turned against him. And you... Uh, it shall be my last care to see that you do not fall into the hands of De Crespo uh, alive. Thank you, Captain. But you're not to worry about me nor to allow my presence to influence you. Should it come to the worst, I too am English and a Wellesley. I know how to die. Show I go! 
course thickening with push. I was just going to send down to you, sir, for permission to shorten sail. Yes, get the courses and the gallant suffer, Mr. Bush. Uh, aye, aye, sir. Hands to shorten sail. Lady Farmer, you ought to be below. I'm afraid we're going to have a stiff gale. Oh, no, Captain. This is too delicious after the heat. It's your health, ma'am, about which I'm anxious. If salt water was harmful, sailors would die young. Well, if you really... Stand Sail ho! Sail. Right ahead! Looks like the Nativa Dead, sir! How's she headed? On the starboard deck, sir! Same as us! She is the Nativa Dead, sir! I can see the Catamite Council! Report any activity! Aye, aye, sir! She's seen us, sir! She's wearing out on port deck, heading up the window of us, sir! Oh, is she? Unusual for a Spanish ship to face about in challenge. Of course, she's not a Spanish ship now. You shan't get the weather gauge of me, whatever happens. And the voice is that. You are the keeper of the air so am I. Mr. Bush, beat the quarters, if you please, and clear for action. Your place is below, Lady Barbara. Take your maid with you and stay in the cockpit until the action is over. No, no, not the cockpit. We'll leave that for the wounded. Um, go to the cable here. I have no time to discuss the matter, ma'am. Mr. Conduct her ladyship to the cable tier. See if she is safe before you leave her. Those are my orders, Mr. Clay. Mr. Bush's incessant drilling of the crew showed its value now. Every man knew his job and did it swiftly and well. The decks were soused with water and strewn with sand. The bulkheads were knocked away. The fire parties took their places at the pumps. The boys ran with cartridges for the guns. And down below, the acting surgeon was dragging the midshipmen's chests together in the cockpit to make an operating table. The more this sea gets up, the better, sir. The Ginnicad won't be able to open their lower gun ports. No. Uh -huh. I'll trouble you to have two reefs taken in those topsails. Aye, aye, sir. Top of the Two reefs in the topsails. Excuse me, sir. With all this spray breaking aboard, do you think we can rely on the flint triggers for the guns? Or shall we have the slow matches lit at the tubs? Yeah, better light the matches in case. Wheel ass. Wheel small, blast you. Forty. Both ships are approaching each other at an angle. Steer so that when we meet, our ship has the wind of the other. Do you understand? Aye, aye, sir. Look, sir, there's a puff of smoke. She's open fire. Man's a fool to waste powder and shot at such range. Never forget, Mr. Bush, a first broadside discharged at close quarters with guns carefully loaded by crews with time to think is worth ten under any other circumstances. Yes, sir. We'd be passing mighty close, sir. If we both stay on this course, in fact, we'll meet bow to bow. No telling who'll have the weather gauge. That was closer. Here comes another... Two men down at number four gun, sir. Christmas! We could have shaved it close. Stand by, Mr. Rayner. Fire as the guns bear. Wheel on earth. Watch the helm of weather. A weather letter. Now, hold her as she comes on. Fire! and fear of some fatal error was gone. I stared across the tossing sea at the Natividad. I could see De Crespo up on the poop. 
fellow actually had the insolence to weigh barely at me. It had the advantage from our maneuver. Two broadsides into it at close range with only one shot in reply. Now we had to pay for it. I saw the rudder of our opponent kick over, and the next moment the two-decker had swung round and was hurtling down upon us. Up, Take the Steady, lads. We shall have a broadside from her, too. unable to trust his crew to fire independently and was working them to the word of command. He was doing it well, too. At intervals, as the sea permitted, her lower deck ports were opening like clockwork and her big 24-pounders were vomiting flame and smoke. What work is done? Yes. Mr. Bush, have the dead carried away from the guns. The crews cannot work properly. The men had better lie on the deck and drag them. It's death to stand in that iron hail. And, uh, Mr. Bush, Tividad's superior force is too great for us to continue this close work. We shall have to use cunning if we're to survive. It's a pity, sir, but I'm afraid you're right. Answer the races. Now, Mr. Bush, back the main topsail a trifle to take way off us. And let the Tividad get ahead. Aye, aye, sir. Now, tack ship and run across her stern. A broadside, Mr. Jared. Aye, aye, sir. Stand to your guns, men. 
Christ has gone and taken her vein from us, really. She's swinging round into the wind. She's as helpless as we are. Confounded, the gale is blowing us apart. Cease fire, then. You're only wasting your shot at this range. With the mission gunship, I can't get enough leverage to sail into the wind. No, it's infuriating, but she's in the same trouble. Mr. Bush, the ship which is ready for action again first will win this battle. Aye, aye, sir. I'll get that... Uh, uh, Bush. Oh, you're hurt. Oh, it's not here, much, sir. A falling block caught in the head. I've tied it up for now. Are you all right, sir? Heaven's sake, don't stand there asking questions like a fool. I'm standing, aren't I? Get this deck cleared up so we can move, I... Lady Barbara, who gave you permission to come on deck? My orders were for you to stay below. The deck is no place for you. I can see that, Captain. I've no intention of obstructing you. I propose to lock myself in my cabin. Now, <laughs> your cabin? So yes, please allow us to go to my cabin, sir. <laughs> There's no cabin left for you, ma'am, I regret. Four broadsides of 24-pound shot from the exhibit had passed through your cabin, ma'am. And what is left of it wouldn't shelter a fly. Oh, dear. And we've much to do to make our ship ready to fight again. I... Very well, Captain. But your coat is torn, sir. You are bloody. Can I help you at all? Yes, ma'am. You can help me and all of us by going back to the cable here. I offer my humble apologies, Captain. Mr. Bush, you will no doubt appreciate the situation. Uh, yes, sir. We must rig a jury must and get back into battle as soon as possible. And impress on the men, Mr. Bush, that their lives and liberty depend upon speed. The first ship ready for action is going to win this battle. Horatio Hornblower, starring Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. 
I have a special limited time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001stories at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001stories at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Call all hands. Speak to quarters. disabled ships drifting rapidly apart, and each with no purpose than to patch its wounds and return to destroy the other. I can see the nativity had again. Now the score's cleared, sir. How does she bear? About two points on the starboard beam, sir. Ah. There. Uh-huh. She's too. Looks a bit lopsided without her foremost. Hmm. Seems to have made no attempt as yet to rig a new one. Well, as soon as we can carry it and sail off, as we can beat the wind over, he'll have it at our mercy. We must try and do it before nightfall, Mr. Bush, and, and or we may lose her altogether in the dark. And uh, now what's this? The funeral party, sir. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> They're already going out there. 
Uh, how many? Fourteen. Very well. Mr. Bush, have all hands stop work, but remain where they are. I intend no disrespect to the dead, but this ceremony must be swift or the living may be endangered. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, why not take a rest? 
You look mortally tired, sir. Indeed you do. Uh, let me send and have a burst screened off for you in the wardroom. Little six, Mr. Bush. It's you who need a rest. Dismiss the starboard watch and go below and turn in. While the enemy is in sight, I shall stay on deck. But, sir, I think... I uh... gave you an order, Mr. Bush. Aye, aye, sir. Good fellow, Bush, but uh, a fool. A sentimental fool. He'd treat me like an old woman if I'd let him. Hmm. I wonder how Lady Barbara is getting on that. Oh, confounded. Here's that idiot of a steward. Now, can't anybody leave me alone? Well, Paul Will, what do you want? Well, I've been to attend to the lady, sir. I screened off a bit of the all-up for her, sir. The all-up? But the wounded are in there. Well, they're mostly quiet now, sir. And, well, I couldn't leave her in the cables here. Oh. I've stung the hammock for her. And she's... <laughs> she nipped into it like a bird, sir. <laughs> Took a bit of grub, too, and a glass of wine, she did. Oh, very good, Paul. Well, now, it stands to reason, sir. A frigate in the sea like this and a battle-like lot with what we've had is... Well, it's a bit rough on an high-born lady. Just confine yourself to facts and keep your opinions to yourself, Paul Wheel. The high-born lady joined this ship of her own free will, knowing that she was about to go into action. Aye, aye sir. Now, uh, about you, sir. Here's some dry clothes from your chest in the storeroom. Well, I'm afraid the last broadside done for everything in your cabin. Well, I don't want any dry clothes. Uh, of course you don't, sir. I wouldn't suggest it, except in... Well, if you takes cold, sir... You won't be fit when we catch us up with a nativity. Will it change up here, sir, or come below? Uh, <clears throat> now, now, look. If I just lash this here hammock chair to the rail, sir, you could sit there when you've changed and have this biscuit and rum, couldn't you, sir? <clears throat> and this here boat cloak will keep some of the spray off you. But you won't have to leave the deck. Paul Will, are you presuming to give me orders? Orders, sir? Me? <laughs> I hope so knows my place, sir. Hmm. It's all right, Mr. Bush, sir. You can turn in now. <laughs> Captain's in his chair and sleeping like a baby, sir. <laughs> oh, good heavens, I must have dozed off. Mm. What time is it, I wonder? Well, impossible, it's after midnight. As black as the Earl of Hell's riding boots. Hmm, feels to me as though the weather's improving. Let's have a look at the binnacle. Ah, Mr. Bush. Wind's shifting southerly and moderated, sir. Uh, wish there's a bit of starlight even. I can't see a thing. The dividend might be 20 miles away or only 200 yards. Yes, I doubt she's close. She was going away to leeward rapidly when we last saw her. She can't have carried out all the repairs she'll need in this weather. What do you think she'll do, sir? Mm, that fellow Crespo commands her is no fool. I believe he'll try to avoid us until he can get into the Gulf of Fonseca and refit. He'd like us to follow him into the Gulf, so he'd have the advantage of the shore batteries as well. He can't make much sail in his crippled condition, sir. But even if he could, the wind is wrong for getting to the Gulf. I had observed that fact, Mr. Bush. I believe he'll reach far out to sea and claw southwards as far as he can. I shall return to my chair until daylight and attempt to work out what it's likely to be his position at dawn. Aye, aye, sir. Morning, sir. Sea's going down fast, sir, and the wind's taken off. Sun will be up in ten minutes. Yes, we'll make sail, if you please, Mr. Bush. Here is the course you are to sail. But as I gave the course, I knew that it was sheer guesswork. Every yard I sailed might be away from Mother Tabor Dad while she hurried to safety. 
My heart was heavy with misgiving, for I knew that if I had failed, there would be many who would attribute that failure to incompetence or cowardice. Concerned, determined not to allow anyone to guess at the doubts and fears which tormented me. When the light should be sufficient for the masthead lookout to scan the horizon, I might be justified or ruined. Yet even my resolution to remain calm must have wavered when my gloomy thoughts were pierced by a wild cry from aloft. We found her, sir. We found her. You are right again, sir. Uh Look, sir. You can see her from here with the glass. Dead ahead. Ah, she's coming round, sir. She's running away. Yes, Crespo wishes to postpone action. He prefers discretion to heroics, and quite rightly, Mr. Bush. However, set every stitch we can carry, send the hands to breakfast. If we engage, there's no telling when they'll eat again, if ever. Aye, aye, sir. Hands to breakfast. We're gaining, sir. She'll not get away this time. We'll blow her right out of the water. Never underestimate your opponent, Mr. Bush. Those 24 pounders of hers are heavy metal. We have a ship which is leaking like a sieve, has a makeshift rig, and is 64 men short. And our firing force is far inferior to hers. Do you think the wind's going to hold her? Mm. Seems to me as if the sun's swallowing it. Oh, it's getting mighty hot, too. It'll be just our luck to lose the wind now. I can't trim it anymore. Hi! You're at the wheel. Oh, here, small blast you. I can't, sir, begging your pardon. There ain't enough wind. Damn it, he's right. The wind's gone, sir. And look at that sky. It's like brass. But in that dead calm and well out of range. We will tow with the boats. Have the launch and cutter hoisted out. Boats away. Cutter's crew. Launch's crew. Right alongside her. 
now, sir. The boat's putting her bows round. Yes, Mr. Bush, we shall now have 25 guns trained on us instead of two. She's positioning for a broadside. We shall have some pebbles about our ears there, long lads. Let's show them that Englishmen don't care. There are those shooting. Not more than two hits. Mr. Galbraith. Let that main gunner stay spliced directly. Aye, sir. Mr. Bush, at what distance would you, would you say she is now? Oh, three parts of a mile, I should say, sir. Uh, so I think. I, I fear our carronades will not be effective at that distance. Relieve the boat's crews and see if fresh men can pull us nearer. Aye, aye, sir. It was intolerably hot. The smell of pitch from the deck seems the bitter tang of powder and the smell of the blood from the wounded... Combined with my fatigue and anxiety to make me feel deathly sick. I feared to disgrace myself by being sick in front of the men. They, too, no longer joked at the guns. They were beginning to sulk under punishment. It was a bad sign. Sullivan! Sir! Hey, Sullivan! You your fiddle? Aye, sir, I have that. Well, that's when we'll have a hornpipe. Benskin, Hall, McAvoy. A hornpipe for each of you and a guinea for the man that does his best. On my word, Mr. Gerard, this will be a tale told and retold in years to come. How Captain Hornblower had his ship towed into action with hornpipes being danced on her main deck.
thing not to suppose it was our guns at point blank range. You burn like ah. She's oh. sinking! She's going down! She's gone, by heaven. Vanished as though she'd never been. You will join me in a salute to a very gallant enemy, Mr. Bush. Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio. When radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.